We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think. Welcome to Making Queer History Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Billy Tipton. Which is a really fun story, honestly. I'm I'm honestly very excited. But before we get into that, we're going to look at the news for this time. So what are the news? <laughs> what are the news? Um, so first, there we had very recently... For the patrons, it will be very recently. But for everyone else, it'll be a little in the past. Um, because if you didn't know... Patrons get the podcast early because we love them so, so much. So patrons get the podcast episodes early. So some of the news will be a little late and some of it will be on time for the rest of you. But patrons will be getting it right away before anyone else. It's pretty cool. Anyways, recently we did an Appreciate Patrons Day, which was really nice and really lovely. And we got to like talk to a couple of you. And just like, it was a fun day. Um, We got to do a couple posts. And we also, most importantly, got to release um, some of the big changes that are coming up for this project. Because there are so many. There are so many big changes. And not all of them are actually on the list for the people who've read the list. Because there's a, a little list on our Patreon right now for patrons of all the really big changes coming up. And not all of them are on the list because we haven't confirmed all of them yet. And we don't want to like tell you something's happening and then like it not ending up happening. All the ones that are on the list are ones that are like either already in motion or we know can happen. And I'm really excited for all of them actually, just cause it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to, um, do all these things and make all these changes. And I think making queer history has needed a couple shifts and changes for a while. So I'm really excited to just lean into that and make the changes that need to be made and bring y'all some really great content along the way. I also don't know what the changes are going to be. I haven't seen this list. You haven't. So if you want to know more than me, you should become a patron. Exactly. And I think by the time that non-patrons will be hearing that, you'll all y'all will know some of the changes that are going to be happening because uh, the patrons have gotten a couple months early and y'all will be getting it around now. So keep your eye out for this list when it does come out. A lot of it is going to be Patreon exclusive to like a no before, but you'll start seeing some of the changes around and you'll start like noticing it on our social medias and stuff like that. Social media is actually one of the biggest changes that is going to happen because I feel like, and maybe this is like information I shouldn't share with y'all, but I'm going to do it anyways. I feel like I've been spending a little too much energy on the social media of making queer history. And it's been a little difficult because the social media of queer history or making queer history can be a little draining for me because social media is not my favorite thing in the world in the first place. And second, I'm a writer at heart. I like to write. That's what I love to do. And reblogging content, retweeting content, posting content that I'm not super invested in isn't what I'm passionate about. So it just takes more energy and the energy that it takes ends up not going to actually writing the articles and making the podcast. Then I get super stressed. It's a whole thing. So we've sort of shifted a whole bunch of things so that both me and Dean can have more energy to put into making great content for y'all. And I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to share some more great content in 2020. Um, and there's some really exciting things coming up, even outside the changes. I have a couple of guest articles in the works, and I'm super excited for all of them. Um, specifically, one person has contacted us, and I don't want to, like, spoil what's going to happen, so I'm not going to be very specific. But if you're that person, you know, hey, I'm really excited to see what you do. And I'm really just, like, excited to see and do all these really new things in 2020. It'll be a good year mm -hmm. for us, for making queer history, and hopefully also for you. Yeah, and if it's not a good year for you, you can come to us and hopefully we can make it slightly better Fingers by bringing crossed. you into the past where sometimes nice things happened and sometimes not nice things happened. And I know like that 2020 is sort of like an arbitrary line to make because, you know, time is relative, it's all made up, whatever. But 
Either way, it's a round number. I like round numbers. I'm excited to make some changes with the project. And yeah, we've been working on a whole bunch of them for the past couple months. And I'm just really, really excited to share them with y'all. And also, specifically, I'm going to like go ahead and give y'all a hint as to what's going to happen. But you should be following our Instagram because there's a really big change about to happen there. And if y'all want to see what it is, you should be following us there because it's it's sort of like a, what do you call it? A pilot project? Does that make sense? Yes. It's sort of like a pilot project. And if it works there, I'm considering, I'm not certain yet, but if it works there, I'm considering applying it to other social medias so it starts there first you gotta you gotta see what happens and you gotta like it if you like it because if it doesn't really succeed or if it doesn't like excite people i'm gonna probably keep it going on instagram but i'm not gonna apply it to any of the other social medias because i just like if no one's really excited about it that's fine i don't mind i'll not put the work in to you know make that on all of our social medias but you should definitely follow us on, on Instagram and all our other social media as well. Mm-hmm. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, which I'm very excited about. That's one's also going to get a whole bunch of exciting things coming up. Um, Tumblr. What else are we on? Twitter? I already said Twitter. I think that's all. I think that might be all. We can have other social medias if there's a social media you want us to be on and you want to see us on. Just message us and we'll look at it and consider it. You can um, email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find all of our social medias on our website, www.makingqueerhistory.com. And yeah, that you'll find all the links there. You'll find the links to our shop. You'll find all our articles. You'll also find our podcasts. The podcasts are also available on Anywhere you want them to be, pretty much. Right now, we're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes? Yeah, Apple Music, Apple Music whatever, whatever that is. And if you want us to be available anywhere else, send us an email, send us a message, let us know, and we can definitely do that. Because mm-hmm. we want you to hear us. Because it's fun to do these podcasts, and it's fun to, like, have y'all listen to us. And um, is there any... There's actually going to be a bit of a change to the podcast coming up, too. So, you know... Again, if you want to hear this news early, do become a patron at patreon.com slash queerhistory. You can also just like become a patron because you want to support making queer history so we can keep writing these articles and keep telling these stories of amazing queer people throughout history or not so amazing queer people throughout history. Some of them are sort of garbage. Some of them are sort of trash. And we're going to tell their stories because everyone's story deserves to be told. And also we need to represent all aspects of the queer community, not just the positive ones, because if we only represent the positive ones, that everyone's going to like misinterpret the community and put up really high standards and no real person's going to actually be able to live up to it. And we're all going to hate ourselves and we already hate ourselves because we're queer and it's just gonna be a whole mess and we're gonna all have self-esteem issues and we already do so like it's just gonna make everything worse so sometimes we gotta talk about trash people and right now i'm working on a article about a pretty huge trash person and i am avoiding it slash excited about writing it it's not salvador dolly if you're wondering (laughs) it's not salvador dolly if you follow us on social media you might know Or if you've listened to like every episode of the podcast, you might know if given the chance, I would murder Salvador Dali. Good choice. I'm a pacifist, but I would do it in a pacifistic way. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm not sure if you can murder someone in a pacifistic way, but I do not like him at all. And one day he's queer and one day I'm going to write about him. Um, I've told, but like I've tried to write about him before and I'll be researching him and I swear to God, my hands start shaking. I get so angry. And you about, just like, quit. And then you come to me, and then you're just ranting about Salvador Ali for like two hours, mm-hmm. and then you don't touch it again. And I don't touch it again for months and months and months. And I try again, and I'm like, okay, we're doing this. And then like I'm like, <sighs> scream. I hate him. I hate him so much, y'all, 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 y'all. I hate him so much. So you so, heard so it much. here. Salvador Dali's a bad person. And also, I'm going to write about him eventually. I promise I will. It's just like a really hard article for me to write. Just because like some things just really get under my skin specifically. Because some things I'm just like, I just want to backhand you so badly. But you're dead. And I'm alive. So that's a win. That's a win. Yeah, you you win that one. I, I do. And I can spend my entire life ruining his legacy exactly i'm gonna do that i'm gonna like just like pick at it until everyone hates him like i do okay you don't have to hate him and you can love his artwork i i I don't really feel the connection to it at all i look at it and i'm like hmm 
trash. <laughs> but like, I-, I recognize that there's value there and there's value in it. Just as long as we can all agree that he was not the best person. <laughs> he was so trash. Uh, if you're sort of wondering, you're like, how is Salvador Dali trash? Like, I've heard about him before. He's the clocks guy. What are you talking about? Um, let's just like sum it up. He really loved Hitler. Like, not in the way where you're like, oh, he's a Nazi. No, he like, I don't know. He sexually loved Hitler. He was like hot. And I was like, what? And he was like, also a Nazi. He was also like, fascism's pretty cool, y'all. Which, not a great take. Gonna be honest no, with you. Probably the <laughs> but he was also take. like really attracted to Hitler and he would talk about it a lot. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, and you know, he was doing it. Like he talked about it that much just to be edgy. And I'm like, okay, I hate you. <laughs> so yeah, Salvador Dali, trash bag. Trash bag. This is gonna like one day, it's gonna be like, this is the day actually. It's just gonna be like half the podcast. It's just me like being like, I'm not gonna write about Salvador Dali, but... <laughs> One day you will. One, and then like half the podcast will be me just like talking about how trash he was. How he literally pushed his friend like over a pier when he was like eight. Well, he might have been older. Anyways, because he was like, what'll happen? Turns out your friend gets really hurt, asshole. And he was never like, in all the things I read, he was never like, oh, that was a really bad thing I did. He was like, hmm, neato. Hmm. Not a fan of him. Anyways, um, so... Sometimes you gotta learn about trash people Sometimes from history because you know you gotta be better than them. You know, you know you gotta be better than them, and you gotta recognize that the queer community is not immune to trash. Mm-hmm. We're not, and some people use that idea of the queer community being immune to trash to excuse their trashness and trap people in their trashness because they're like, "I'm queer. Like you can't call me out. I'm queer. I can't be a bad person. I'm queer. Yeah, but uh, I just wanted like." Friendly reminder, there are queer Nazis, both in history and in the present. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're not exempt from being called out. Mm -hmm. I personally knew someone who, like, used their queerness as a way to, like, sort of get out of trouble. Because they're like, non-binary people aren't real, but I'm trans, so it's okay if I say this. Also, don't, not a huge fan of black people, but I'm trans, so it's okay that I say this. Also, I'm a neo-Nazi, but it's trans, so I'm okay. It's okay that I say this. And I'm like, oh, and then, like, wearing the MAGA hat. Yeah. Was that them or their friend? Both. It was both of them. And they're like, but I'm trans, so it's okay that I do this. And I'm like, nah. And some people are like, but it's trans. They're trans, so it's okay that they do this. It's not. You're, you can you can be queer and a bad person. News, news flash for you. Exactly. So yeah, there will be coming an article up about a bad person. Yeah. Well, it actually, it may come out at any moment. You don't know. This is a complete, it's not coming soon. A lot of the time I'm like, oh, I'm writing this now, so it's going to come in the next couple of weeks. This may come out between now and the end of the time. I don't know. It's exciting. It's like a back pocket article. It's an article that we're writing so we can have it in our back pocket so that we can pull it out if one of us needs a break. So you don't know when this is going to come out. I probably write about trash people in between too, though. There will always be. There will always be some trash people in there. The, my most recent article was about Alexandru something Potesti. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But it was really enjoyable to write. And I was planning on writing it this month anyways, but it was actually really nice because someone sent us an, uh, a message on Tumblr and they're like, hey, I'm bi, I'm from Romania. Do you have anything about Romania on your website? And we're like, no. <laughs> well, we do actually. We, we had, um, if you have been following our um, social media for a while, we had an article about like 18 positive things that happened in 2018. Like specifically queer things because it was a rough year and y'all needed some good news. And one of the things was about Romania. And so we had that, but we were like, we don't have any history things. So I bumped him up on my list and we now have a bisexual Romanian dude whose article is up and y'all should check it out because he was... He was pretty cool. He was pretty interesting. Cool. Weird guy. Weird guy. Like him. I like him. So check the article out. Check it's the worth article your time. out. And also message us. If you like, you're like, hey, I'm from this place and I want, I, I, I don't see anything about you writing from this place. Especially if you know a person we can write about because sometimes it's really, really hard. And there are countries because we actually have a list 
of countries in Google Docs that we have written about and ones that we haven't written about. And besides the ones we haven't written about, we have some like options generally, but there are countries on that list where we have no options. We can't, we haven't found a story yet or we haven't found a name attached to that country that we can write about yet. And it's really hard for some countries because a lot of these things are hidden or buried or just like in general, hard to find. A lot of the time, especially with Alexandru actually, um, they're in different languages. So it's hard to find for an Anglo person on their own. So if you're from that country, please just like send us in the person. We can find any information that we can find and like try to puzzle together an entire article out of that. And yeah, we really, I, I personally get really excited about asks like that so that we can, you know, just post about the things that y'all want to hear about. And also I really hate the idea and I've gotten messages like this. Oh, and I've talked about this a couple times, but like I get messages every once in a while where they're like, there's no queer history in this country. And I'm like, that's the straights trying to convince you they're wrong. Also it's the straights and America. Because mm. America's like, I'm going to take up every bit of space in discussions around queer history. Is that okay? It's going to be America, France, England. That's it. That's what we're going to talk about. Germany. Germany as well. Germany. America, France, England, Germany. Mm. Are you going to be the only ones we talk about? All of the rest of y'all sh- don't care. I don't care. Which is really frustrating. And I really like being able to look at countries that don't get to be talked about as much. And also just hear stories that we don't get talked about as not much. And also connect with countries that don't get discussed as much as they should. Like Romania. Mm-hmm. So if you have any a country or, or a person or anything that you want us to write about, mm-hmm. email us. Mm-hmm. Or if you're from that country and you're like, I like writing, send us in a proposal. We would love to have someone from the country that like we're talking about write about someone from their country because that's always ideal. And some of the times that's not an option, obviously, because either like there's uh, not many that sorry, not many fluent English speakers in that country, or it's illegal, or a lot of other reasons, a whole host of them. But we would love to have voices from the country itself. And it's okay if you're not from the country itself too. But just so like everyone knows, because we talk about guest articles sometimes, the only country that is completely closed, which means if you send in a guest article about someone from this country or focused on this country, we're, we're just going to immediately say no. It's just automatic no, I'm sorry, is America. Just because we've already written, and actually the person we're about to talk about is from America. We've written like seven or eight articles about people from this country, and there are countries that we haven't written about at all. So it just feels like we're taking time away from the country we haven't written about at all to write about a country we've written about a lot of times when we talk about America. So America's completely closed. No other country's completely closed, but there are countries where it's like a little less likely that we'll say yes, which are like France, England, Germany are like probably the ones that make it a teeny bit less likely that we're going to say yes to the proposal. Not a hundred percent less, but a teeny bit less likely and like... What'll up your chances is if it's an identity that we don't talk about that much. Like, as much as I like talking about asexuality and aromanticism, we don't have that many articles about that because it's a little difficult to find, especially since like the look at asexual and aromantic queer history is in and of itself as difficult as looking at queer history in general, but has the added thing of a whole bunch of queer history projects just having never touched it. So Mm -hmm. there's not people who have already stepped in those places. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like a lot of people, like Alan Turing or something, a lot of people have already covered them. So like there's more information for me to look at. But for asexual or aromantic people, there's a lot less. So, you know, that's sort of where we're at on guest articles. That's your like sneak peek at our process. You can find the link to sending in a guest article on our website. Mm-hmm. So if you have an idea, if you want to write something for us, we would love to work with you. Mm-hmm. Just send something in there and we will get back to you. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to stop talking about news and guest articles and stuff. And we're going to start talking about Billy Tipton, a jazz musician from America. I know I just said that America is not our focus, but again, this is one of our older ones. And I'm really excited about it. 
Because so am I. He was a wild guy. He, he did a lot of weird things. Uh, and it's actually really funny because we were looking at who we were going to be talking about on the, in this podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and our last podcast was about a trans man. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about, about how to know like if, if a person in history what was trans or just like a lesbian taking on a male persona... So and, that they wouldn't be socially punished for being lesbian. Yeah, and this podcast will also be about a trans man. And I also thought it was funny because, like, last time I was, like, in the podcast, I was like, it's really unfortunate because, like, we haven't written about that many trans men. And at that specific point, we hadn't written about almost any. And, like, now we do two in a row. So, like... It's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty, pretty neat. Cool. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, we're excited to talk about Billy Tip. And this one is a lot more muddy than Alan Hart was. Mm-hmm. Alan Hart was a much more clear to me that this was a trans man. Yeah. Billy Tipton is a lot less clear that it was a trans man. Like That's he was true. a trans man. That's true. So yeah. The reason it's a lot less clear is because Billy Tipton was a jazz musician. And when going out for like auditions and stuff like that, uh, he was often rejected because of his assigned gender at birth. So how he sort of countered that was uh, he and some female cousins just got together and disguised him as a guy. And he started getting roles. And he actually became a leader of it. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and no, that that's like... How, how he started dressing up as a man mm-hmm. and like, I guess you could sort of call it like his social transition. Mm-hmm. But previously he, there, there's not any recorded like images of him, him like wanting to, to develop like a male persona or wanting to participate in like quote unquote male culture. There's mm-hmm. no previous proof of this. Yeah. And for, like, on the one hand, that can just be because we don't have it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explicitly mean that it doesn't exist. And I mean, he did, um, I don't think there's, like, there's not, like, a lot of information about his childhood. Like, he grew up with his aunt after his parents divorced when he was four. He he lived in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born in 1914, by the way. So, like, just at the beginning of the First World War, and then mm-hmm. he kept growing. But... But yeah, so there's like, it might just be like a lack of records, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it might also be just that he didn't, these experiences that a lot of young trans people experience just didn't take place for him. Mm -hmm. Which is totally normal whether he was trans or not. Mm -hmm. Because while these trans experiences that we think of, like, you know, the sort of like cliche thing of like, I was born in the wrong body, or I knew from when I was a kid and I like was wearing these kind of things. I was already trying to get in this when I was like a young child, isn't a universal trans experience. Even Mm -hmm. though sort of we talk about transness like it's a universal thing. And in the study of history, these can be signs, but they can also be mistaken for necessities for being trans and that doesn't work especially considering that the standards and mainstream understanding of transness has changed so drastically throughout time to the point that like assigning the narratives that we understand now to people back then of transness makes absolutely no sense Mm -hmm. they would have no connection to that either because their ideas of transness are different or they had no ideas of transness at all whether that means that, like, in their culture, transness was seen as having completely different steps. And the mainstream understanding of transness included completely different steps. Um, a good example of that would be, this isn't transness specifically, this is two-spirit identities. But um, in a lot of different cultures um, in North America, some still existing, some not, dreams were absolutely required for that kind of social transition. And that's not something we see now. Mm -hmm. So their mainstream understanding of queerness is completely different. So expecting them to fit our mainstream understanding instead of their own mainstream understanding is really useless, really. It doesn't make sense. It's not a good way of doing it. And actually, it's it's interesting because we hear this sort of discussion from a lot of historians and from a lot of people talking about queer people in history of like, well, you know, the way we understand queerness now, we didn't understand that then. And like, queerness didn't exist then. And while that in some ways is true. The way we understand transness now did not exist in a lot of cultures. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't mean what they use it, use those words to mean. They're like, oh, transness as it exists today didn't exist then. 
100%. But that does not mean that everyone identified with the assigned gender of their genitals. <laughs> that does not at all mean that. And it's really frustrating because so many people use that fact to interpret history as straight cis thing, but they completely misunderstand it. They completely misunderstand it because they don't give it the care and understanding that queer people are able to. Not saying that there's no non-queer historians or non-queer people who look at history who can understand this, but people with a queer experience can more easily look at this and be like, well, that just means that they had a different experience of queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Billy Tiffin is a really good image of this because 100%. like he, he just served on this personality in order to, to work within his field. And, like, he even had, um, he didn't start to live, like, quote-unquote full-time mm-hmm. as a trans as a trans man. It sounds weird to say it like that. Until, like, but until, like, seven years after he started this, mm-hmm. this journey of, of, of playing in bands with this male persona called Billy. Mm-hmm. And he even had, like, a relationship with another woman who a lot of his, his, his friends and family viewed as, as, as a lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't socially ostracized for that even mm-hmm. meaning that there was some form of acceptance and so his his um male quote-unquote persona i'm yeah. using a lot of air quotes here uh didn't even come from like the um, the fear of not being allowed to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with like the the gender he was attracted yeah. to and so it's very it can be very unclear yeah and like his understanding of transness may have come from People like, okay, like the classic, you know, woman who wants to be in a male-dominated field dressing up as a man. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just assume this woman is a cisgender woman. That may be his understanding of what he was going through. He may be like, oh, that's what I'm going through because that's all the things that he saw. Mm -hmm. That was his only model of queerness. Or it may have been that he was only interested in the expression of masculinity rather than the identity of masculinity. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, who knows? He, Only one person, Billy Tipton. Yeah, and like he also lived the rest of his entire life, even after he stopped being a musician, mm-hmm. even after he stopped working in like uh, a male-dominated field, he still lived as as a man and as like a traditional in traditional ma- male roles. Mm-hmm. And like I would assign even the desire, I would assign the ability to keep that going as a trans characteristic. Mm -hmm. Because I think any trans person can tell you this, being looked at and understood as a gender you're not can become incredibly uncomfortable very quickly. Yes. So the fact that Billy Tipton went so long understood as a man makes me think that he was a man. Because at some point... That makes you incredibly uncomfortable, whether you like you are using this for a career move or not. That would at some point you'd become it would start chafing. Mm -hmm. It would start becoming uncomfortable again. This is something that most trans people know because most trans people are forced into that position. But Billy Tipton would have had to choose that position, which is a hard position to live in. So, yeah, I would take that as a sign. The fact that he didn't. Ever, be- ever show a huge amount of, like, discomfort at being understood as a man as a sign that he was a man. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I- I- my hypothesis is that he was a trans person with very little dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And, like, so he lived, up until he, he socially transitioned, he, he lived in, like, a- as a woman as- and understood as a woman. And-, and he, like, didn't mind it. But then as soon as he was able to, to-, to live as a man and have that experience, there was a euphoria to it. And that's my mm-hmm. hypothesis. I don't know if it's right or not. Yeah. I just like I feel like it it matches at least. Yeah, it, it matches. Fit. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he was able to to live this experience of masculinity, he was like, oh, oh, ideal. This is it. This is what I want. And then he just kept holding on to that, mm-hmm. which again makes a lot of sense. And it's also a really interesting way to look at history in general of how many trans people because dysphoria is not required to be trans let's Mm -hmm. just like get that out of the open right now dysphoria is not required to be trans being trans the only thing that required is required of being trans is identifying with a gender other than the one you were assigned at birth only thing required yep that's how it is so it's interesting to think of how many people missed out on an opportunity to exist as their full and best self Mm mm-hmm because they didn't have dysphoria. 
because they never had that big signal, big red light in their head being like, stop, 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 stop. Mm -hmm. This isn't right. But they may have had a more fulfilling or more enjoyable or more full life if they had ever had ever gotten the chance to explore their gender yes in a safe way and obviously there are different cultures and different time periods exploring gender was a much more understood and accepted thing but even now exploring your gender is something that is punished not only by cisgender people but by trans people that's true and it's really frustrating to see how many people are punished for understanding their queerness or their gender in the wrong way. There's actually this really cute little meme on TikTok for a little while where it was like, it's sort of hard to explain, but basically it was, it was a sound that was used by queer people to be like, I was wrong about this identity. I'm actually this identity. And it was really cute. It was very sweet. But queer people's understanding of their identity or anyone's understanding of their identity, whether they're queer or not, shouldn't be punished for changing. Mm -hmm. You should never, sorry. All of this is fluid. And like, gender is going to change and sexualities are going to change. And like, everything is in constant movement. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And like, not to go too deep into the metaphor of fluidity, but let's add viscosity into the mix. Because Mm. While some people's version of gender fluidity means quick changes, someone else's might mean very slow ones. Someone might spend years or months of their life feeling one gender and then slowly move into another gender or another gender and another gender or another gender. We understand these things in such a static way that it really harms people when you try to enforce what they say at one point to the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Because some people, someone will understand themselves as like a bisexual person and then maybe one day understand themselves as a lesbian. And the people who react to that by being like, oh, you're enforcing the stereotype of like that um, bisexual people aren't real is nonsense. That was a stereotype created from biphobia. So it's not someone's fault unless they, after understanding that about themselves enforce that on other people mm-hmm. who identify as bisexual. Unless they do that, no one should be punished for fitting into a stereotype that has been used to hurt the queer community. Like a femme gay man should never be punished for f- like being a stereotype, quote unquote. Except like the queer community uses that to like enforce these static roles because these static roles are how we understand ourselves before we understood queerness. Mm. And like, yeah, the I've sort of gone off on a tangent. I always do that. I'm so sorry. But the idea that like we have lost so many people who would have understand themselves as queer and who would have had happier lives. I'm not saying perfect lives or easy lives. I'm saying slightly happier lives because they were never given the freedom to embrace the fluidity of identity or embrace being wrong about their identity even is really hard because people deserve to be happy and to understand themselves in a full way, I believe. And all you need to deserve that is to be human. You don't need to be a queer expert. You don't need to be a groundbreaker to deserve to embrace the fluidity of yourself. And like, even if you have the wrong words, (laughs) you deserve to be able to embrace being wrong. Like you come out as a trans man and you're like, oh shoot, I'm non-binary. Or you come out as non-binary and you're like, oh shoot, I'm trans. Everyone deserves to embrace that mistake, but a higher standard is put on it because people outside the queer community demand perfection from the queer community. So the queer community starts demanding perfection from the queer community Mm because they want the approval of the non-queer community. Because for a long time, we needed that approval for legal reasons. But once we have that legality, we don't need that. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want, but some people cling on to it because the approval of the non-queer community has been a bridge to so many things. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to ever let it go. And I understand that. But your need for the approval of the non-queer community should never be something that causes you to hurt the queer community. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah, I just really wish that there wasn't that punishment for exploration. Yeah. And you know, exploration comes with the risk of being wrong or from turning the wrong direction. That's what exploration is. If you're not okay with being wrong, then you're never going to be safe in your exploration. You're never going to be able to do it fully. 
So if you're enforcing these standards on other people, you're hindering their ability to explore. And you're also hindering yourself. Exactly. Because most often, the, in my opinion, very often, the standards we've put on other people are also standards we put on ourselves even more harshly. Mm-hmm. So if you are one of those people who like, even maybe automatically but never says it out loud, is frustrated with people who change their identity often, you, you should maybe think... Am I implying these standards to myself? And is that a helpful thing that I'm doing to myself? Am I harming myself by doing this? Because I would be very surprised if you weren't, to be honest. But anyways, getting back to Billy Tipton's life. Sorry for the sidetrack. He did a little bit of exploration with his Mm -hmm. identity. And then after after seven years of only dressing up in, in masculine attire for like professional reasons, he started... Living doing it as in his personal life. Yeah, and and he started like applying this transition to to his entire life, mm-hmm. and and in all of his life he seemed to have been very successful. He was on several bands. He was a really good musician. He uh, went on tours in like the Midwest, in Texas, in the mm-hmm. Northwest. These are all American places. I don't really know what they mean, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the sources told me so. Yeah, and he also started his own band at some point called Billy Tip and Trio. And they uh, released two albums, and and like he was really good at what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And then when he got more offers of releasing more albums, and he got an offer to be like a a house band at at a casino, and he declined both offers and went to live in in Washington. Which fair enough, do what you got to do. And then he worked as a talent broker, mm-hmm. and and he seemed really happy. Mm-hmm. He was also, he had, like, a lot of luck in romance. He apparently, I don't know, he had a lot of game? Yeah, he had game. He He had had game. game. Really strong game. (laughs) And, and yeah, he had a lot of of long-lasting, solid relationships. Some some better than others, and and some a little problematic. I don't know, problematic. Um, abusive. Yes. Specifically, I I want to personally fight Kitty, but continue. Yeah, but yeah, and like he had, so he had like a lot of these really strong relationships with with all these women. Like even before he he transitioned, he engaged in these relationships, and and he was viewed as a lesbian. And a lot of them were also like singers or dancers mm-hmm. or or other working in other creative fields. So he seemed to have like found his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of his, his, uh, partners slash wives, all of them called themselves Mrs. Tipton, mm-hmm. uh, but they were never, none of them were ever legally married to mm-hmm. him, uh, but most of them were also weren't told, they didn't know he was trans, mm-hmm. and he, uh, they didn't know he was trans, and he, yeah, he just made sure that they didn't know, which, completely fair. Yeah, very legitimate. And also, again, another sign that he was probably Trans. He worked really, really hard to make sure that no one knew this about him. Mm-hmm. When there were lesbians who would have been fine with it. Mm-hmm. Like, there were women who were attracted to women who would understand what was happening. But he didn't want to be in a lesbian relationship, it seems. He wanted to be in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. Because he was probably a man. Yes. Because wanting to be in a heterosexual relationship when that's... Wanting to be in a heterosexual relationship with a woman when you're assigned gender at birth is female is a sign that you're trans. Yeah. There we go. I, yes. I took a little finagling to say that right, but we got there. But yeah, a lot of these women that he he was with mm-hmm. uh, actually said that Billy was like a really good man. One of mm-hmm. them even said that like being with Billy was like the best relationship she's ever had. Which like yeah, yeah. like a, a trans man, of course, got it. They got it because like queer relationships are yeah. just awesome. They're just the best. Ninety well seventy five percent of the time. Yes, there's <laughs> a solid twenty five percent, which is not awesome. But yeah, and and he also cheated on one of his partner with uh, with uh, the the woman who like he ended up settling down with, mm-hmm. and who he ended up uh, adopting three kids with, and he was apparently a really good dad. Yeah, and the kids really really adored him. Mm-hmm. He and had three sons: Scott, William, and John. John. Yeah, which are it's it's so funny to me. Yeah, and like I'm aware that this was like in them. What time? Like nineteen sixties. Yeah, yeah. And this is like in the nineteen sixties. So it makes sense that like these are the names, but at the same time, 
It's really funny. It's really funny because um, if you don't get the joke, it's basically trans men pick names in a certain way. Yeah. And like, not all trans men, but like there is... And I don't even know if these these kids um, like were given names. By yeah, because they were adopted. Yeah. So like so they very also... possibly these are just the names that came along with them. But it's them. also the 60s. It's also the 60s. So like... And as specifically as a person who's, who's not from North America, mm-hmm. sometimes I hear North American names and I'm like, oh, that's like the most basic name. Yeah, that's us. Uh, and it's really funny. It's it's so funny to me, mm-hmm. but like... All right, Will. I mean, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Call me out. No, but like, I, I understand what you're reading. And um, as we move into that part of our life, let's acknowledge that Kitty, who was the person he settled down with after a long time, um, didn't like her. I didn't like her. I personally don't like her because she was abusive. She was abusive. She specifically abused her children. Mm-hmm. And after, I think, about 10 years of living together with, with her and the kids, uh, Billy moved out. They they divorced. And after a while, the kids came to live with him. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the final straw was her abuse of the children, if I remember correctly. Yes. What, she was like, yeah, this is nonsense. No. Mm-hmm. And so his sons came to live with him. And he was just seemed like a really good father who his sons loved. And after divorcing Kitty, he went back to his previous girlfriend, uh, Marianne. Mm-hmm. And they seemed to have been, been pretty good together. Yeah, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, he had to quit his job eventually because of arthritis and a lot of trouble breathing. Y'all know why. Yeah, we all, yeah. Again, reminder to all our people who are binding today, no matter what gender you identify as. Take a stretch. Take a stretch. Do some coughing. Take it off. Drink some water. You don't have to take it off if you don't want to, but if you can, if you feel able, please do take it off and give your body a little bit of a rest. Yeah. And yeah, he experienced specifically a lot of pain around breathing and stuff. And at the age of 74, he died. Mm-hmm. And Previous after, to this, yeah. he had like refused to go to the doctor. Yeah. Which makes sense because like he didn't want to be outed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's it's valid. But he was getting really sick. And he was like, oh, it's probably because of all my smoking. He was smoking as well. And binding. Not a great combination. Yeah. All of y'all, if possible, please go to the doctor if you experience shortness of breath. If there's not an accepting doctor in your area um i don't know i don't know that really sucks if you're able to please do try if you're not able to that's understandable i believe you're doing your best i believe in you because doctors can be trash not all of them are but a lot of them are yeah and they're not taught how to deal with trans people mm-hmm. especially the doctors that are in the medical field now because it takes seven years to become a doctor and that means that most doctors experience their education a long time ago and they don't go back to take new classes so they don't understand the new parts of their field so maybe in like six to seven years there's gonna be some great awesome doctors good doctors but it takes a little while for the changes in the medical field to really fit into the medical yeah that's true but yeah um please go to the doctor if you're able to take a breath take a stretch if you can um but anyways so billy died in 74 and at the age of 74 not the year 74 at the age of 74 um and uh, as he was dying he was accidentally outed by the paramedics because you know he they were dying. they were trying to save him, and his son William realized what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then after his death, uh, Kitty tried really hard to to keep it from 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 coming out. Yeah, all all the family really did try hard to keep it from becoming a public thing, but the media is that way, mm-hmm. and it became a really big like me- mm-hmm. like news. Yeah, news story. It was like national news. Which is really frustrating. Especially considering he'd worked so hard to keep it under wrap Mm -hmm. for like his entire life. And then suddenly it's it's no longer. It's everyone's story. It's everyone's story. And especially like as time has gone by, there's definitely been, especially in North America, um, an understanding of transness in this very um, voyeuristic sort of way Mm -hmm. where like the only way people want to understand transness is by like taking away the autonomy of trans people Mm -hmm. and understanding their lives without a hundred percent of their consent does that make sense yes like without their consent understanding their lives in ways they didn't want their lives understood which can like which definitely still exists which can like come through in shows like I don't watch these shows, so, like, maybe they handle it really respectfully, but, like, Jerry Springer and, like, Dr. Phil and stuff like that, 
Like, it can be seen as, like, a scandalous thing that they're going to talk about on their show. And it's not always dealt with in the most respectful way. And they definitely still exist where you see trans celebrities on talk shows be asked that question. You know the question. Mm, yeah. What are your genitals? Tell me your genitals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it definitely still an attitude that exists to this day. And it's one that he was sort of forced to go through after his death. And his um, sort of idea of what he wanted his death to be and like how he wanted to be remembered was trampled on because of that because people took away that autonomy and yeah so whether and kitty and all of his children were basically like media blackout as much as possible let's not talk to them let's not discuss with them so but we do have like a couple quotes from them my favorite being one from scott tipton one of his um son and um this like this is one of my favorite quotes actually that I've ever read just because I really, I really love quotes of like accepting family members. Does that make sense? Um, there's one for Eleanor Roosevelt as well, if I remember correctly. I just really love quotes from family members talking about their family members' queerness. Anyways, go ahead. Here's the quote. I think he probably never told us because he was afraid we might have rejected him. I could have accepted it. He did a hell of a good job with us. That's what mattered. He was my dad. I'm like ready to cry. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's just a really good thing to keep in mind because people can surprise us. Um, I think it's very likely Scott Tipton probably knew his dad the best mm-hmm. of most people. Like, I'm not saying Scott knew his dad better than his other brothers or anything or his family, but like, but like more than people. us. Yeah. So his understanding that his dad was probably too scared to tell him was probably accurate. And it's good to know that, you know, family can surprise you. Family can do things that you don't expect. And I think a lot of trans people and a lot of queer people get this. The more they don't talk about it, the scarier it becomes to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's good to really remember that people can surprise you one way or the other. So there's one side of that where no matter what you think of your family, Always be sure to have an exit plan when you do come out. But there's the other side of it. No matter what you think of your family, do give them the space and the grace to love and accept you. Because they might. And that's what Scott did. And we're lucky to have that narrative to add to our beautiful mosaic of queer stories, of queer families. So Billy Tipton gets put up in there. Solid. Solid. Yeah, that's that's Billy Tipton's life. Yeah. And I believe you can also find his music available in places because he mm-hmm. recorded at least two albums. Mm-hmm. So if you want to listen to some of his music, give him a Google search. Mm-hmm. I know it's at least on, on on Google Play. I think it's on Spotify as well. Mm-hmm. So, so go check that out. Give it a listen. Also, side note, I've mentioned this on Tumblr, but I don't think any other social media. I actually, <laughs> I have a Spotify playlist with, because um, when I'm researching someone, especially, well, exclusively if they're a musician, sometimes I like to listen to music if I research them because it's like, I don't know, it gives you the mindset and like sort of makes, gives me a more thorough understanding of the person. So I like to listen to their music. So I have this entire huge ass playlist of queer his like uh queer artists from history just like so many songs i think there's like over 200 if you're interested in that being public please become a patron because i would love to release it and yeah like if you're interested in that if you're not that's totally cool but yeah i'm gonna release it if we hit our next goal on patreon so yeah that'll be exciting that will be exciting and you'll be able to listen to like some vintage queer tunes and you can know that all these people were queer in some way which is pretty cool. Which is pretty darn neat. Also, really quick, note about pronouns. The reason we use he, him pronouns, even though we discuss the possibility of Billy Tipton not being a trans man, is because the most recent information we have of him up to his death was him using he, him pronouns. Mm-hmm. That is generally the rule we go by, unless there's a reason, like a very good reason to have question about their use of pronouns in which we will generally use they, them, theirs. Because if you don't know someone's pronouns, they, them, theirs is a really good bet. Mm-hmm. I I sometimes wish I'd use they, them, theirs in my discussion of King Christina. Yes. It was one of my earliest articles and I didn't understand queer history with the thoroughness that I feel like I do now. And I sometimes wish I could go back and, and rewrite that so it has like them theirs, but I'm also not sure about it because I'm not sure at this point if I understand them as a trans man or as 
a non-binary person because I think both ideas have merit. Mm-hmm. But I, it's really hard because like some people are just complex and some, some people... histories are just difficult to know anything about. Exactly. But King Christina, I sort of wish I'd, I'd changed, like I had not used she, her, hers pronouns in that article. And I'm not sure if I should change it or not. We'll find out. One day, maybe I will. At this point, I'm like, I'm not sure enough. You can leave it until one day. Until one day. And one day I'm going to be like, okay, here's my solid answer. But yeah. So yeah, that's the story of Billy Tipton. And we move into the third part of this podcast. Wrecking the Queers. Wrecking the Queers. Um, Wrecking the Queers is where we recommend queer media to you while also getting wrecked by y'all, which means that y'all tell us your complaints or your criticisms or your compliments or your questions. And we talk about them here. And yeah, we just like sort of discuss it a little bit, expand on it. Sometimes we get them from social media. Like if someone replies to us on social media, sometimes we like to talk about it on here. Or if you email us at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com, we can talk about it here. And we'll just like have a little bit more of an expanded discussion than we would on social media. Um, We talked about this earlier. I talked about this earlier in the podcast about someone sending in a message to us about being Romanian and wanting us to cover someone from Romania. We did it. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Alexandru Patesti, I'm really thinking that's how I pronounce, but who knows, um, is up now and we get we got to write about a cool Romanian bi guy. So it was really nice. Or he could have been homosexual. He could have been bi. He could have been homosexual. I don't know. I'm not the expert in every single person's sexuality. They are. And mm. generally when I write about them, that means they're dead. So I just do my best. Um, are there any other discussions we've had on social media lately? Um, not really. We get a lot of notes on one specific post, which is where I was like, sort of earlier on in the project where I was like, hey, the Black Panther Party was very explicit about their support of queer identities. Y'all should support Black Lives Matter. And I get a lot of responses to that. And I mostly ignore them because like, I'm, I'm not not proud of that post, but I think I could have worded it better. So I sort of just ignore it. Like no one generally like I'm right. 100% Black Panther Party was specifically the Black Panther Party, not every single member of the Black Panther, which a lot of people have corrected me on. And I'm like, I didn't say that. But um, the Black Panther Party supported queerness, like the party itself, not every individual member. But the party itself made a rule to support queerness. So like, that I I still believe is true. But I do believe I could have worded it better. And a lot of the discussions around it are being done on this post by people who are Black. So like, I don't feel like I need to add to the conversation again because they're exploring it in this really thorough way. So like, my voice isn't really needed. Though we did get a comment on it recently, which is someone was like, why did you use queer instead of gay? Mm. (sighs) One day you will not get that question. One day I'll not get that. Queer is a great word. Yeah. And I will use it. Yes. Until I die. Yes. Theoretically. I am always open to having my mind change, but it's very unlikely to change on this one. Hmm. We use queer. I mean, it's in the name. If you're, it's in the I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know. You, you know. You know. You know that we use queer. But no, we get comments on this all the time. Well, no, actually, we've it's really lessened over time. Now we get that comments. That is wonderful. I think the big discourse now is whether other people, people who are not lesbians, are allowed to say butch or femme. Mm. Which... We actually recently answered an ask on that. Dean answered it because Dean is an expert in queer linguistics. So Dean really had the most thorough understanding of it. Me personally, my my response to it is a very frustrated Canadian, what are you even talking about? Because I, oh, I get so frustrated with this because I've literally like multiple times seen people be like, there is no other context in which you can say the word femme. And I'm like, it's a French word. <laughs> Like, I see femme literally anytime I go to the mall. Anytime I go to the mall, I see the word femme because in in Canada, we're a bilingual country, right? So we have French words everywhere. And I'm like, and when people specifically, I've seen people like take pictures of like uh, 20 Forever 21 shirts. This is going to be dated. I just dated this because Forever 21's dead. Yes. <laughs> but like a for- Forever 21 shirt that, that have femme on it. And they're like appropriating queer culture. I'm like, I no. Mean, it's, it's French. <laughs> it's French. It's just a French word. Um, so that's like, that's my hot take. And I also think that like the idea that it's only ever been used by lesbians or it was created for lesbians has holds no water 
Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I'm sorry if you have a really huge attachment to this idea, but you're wrong. And we have a post about it on our <laughs> Tumblr about why you're wrong. And it's fine to be wrong sometimes, but I think this specific myth and myth misconception, <laughs> misconception um, comes from people who want to put the queer community into little boxes of what we're able to say. And I think we should generally distrust people who are like, nope. Also biphobia. And Just biphobia. like biphobia. Yeah, and biphobia. And like, especially like, this isn't 100% perfect, but like what queer people are able to call themselves. Because mm-hmm. 100%, all queer people are not allowed to call themselves two-spirit. Because two-spirit is a word created to describe the experience of being indigenous to North America while also fitting into this identity that existed before colonialism. Generally, there's a different one for each for each community of Indigenous people, but Two-Spirit is a big umbrella term. You're not allowed to use that if you're not Indigenous. So it's not a perfect understanding, but I am suspicious of anyone who's like, you're not allowed to use this term that has been common for queer people for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like the word queer. Mm-hmm. Or like the word femme. Mm. Or like the word butch. These are things that people have used to understand themselves. Trans people, lesbians, bi people, gay men, for a very, very long time. And the I, the rewriting of history to say that they haven't is a little suspect to yeah. me. So like, just everyone be cautious, do your research. People will spout things and they may not sound wrong immediately. Because I can totally understand people being like, hearing a lesbian say, these words are for lesbians. You don't get to say them. And being like, oh, I want to respect lesbians. Because I also want to respect lesbians. I'm not a lesbian. So I'm like, let's respect them as hard as we can and listen to our voices. Mm-hmm. But also use your, knowledge of the, use your knowledge of the queer community. And don't trust everything you read. Because some lesbians suck. Some people of every community suck. And they will try to use their identity as a reason why you should listen to their voice. And that is only one reason why you should ever listen to someone's voice. And there should be multiple reasons why you listen to their voice. Because their identity gives them an air of reliability, which is not wrong to understand and feel. But it should never be the only reason you trust someone. Because, as we talked about earlier, queer people sometimes use their identity as a way to sneak in really harmful ideologies. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did not expect that. Yeah. Because not all queer people are great people. So yeah. Sorry, ready for the recommendation. The recommendations. This is up to you, Will. Yeah. This means Will is recommending a piece of queer media to y'all, which is a piece of queer media that we haven't engaged with the creator on. All right, Will. So yeah, go ahead and tell us about your recommendation for this month. So this one, I'm recommending another book, which is Shocker. Uh, it's a really cute book, though. It's 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 a... Is it a graphic novel? What do you call it? Graphic novel? I almost call this a graphic novel. Okay, okay. Graphic novel. It's called A Quick and Easy Guide to Queer and Trans Identities, and is written by Maddie G. and J.R. Zuckerberg. And it's just the cutest, cutest little thing ever. It's a very small book. It's all about this snail taking these other snails on a journey through through queer identities. And it's the cutest. It's I, adorable. I, I wish I could show y'all pictures because it makes me so happy to look at. Yeah. It's, it's a tiny, tiny little book. It is so adorable. It's not like tiny. Okay, but like it's a pretty small it's book. It's a pretty small book, yeah. Sorry. And it's and it's so cute. It's very the colors are like all pastelli. It's it's all about just like this guide mm-hmm. and this, this journey through identities mm-hmm. and you just have the snail who's like oh hey have y'all little baby snails ever heard of this well mm-hmm. let me tell ya and it's it's just really cute and sweet and it's like really well drawn and i really like yeah it's just like a really cute thing to read through and they're like very cute snails and they're just like really cute pages and it would be a really great way for someone of like who's in like middle school mm-hmm. to understand queerness like if you have someone in middle school who might be queer or who just like wants to learn about queerness for any reason it'd definitely be a great book and everyone else above it's not like one of those books that's sort of like difficult to read if you're outside of a certain age group but i think that would be like 
It's a very... Yeah, it would be really good for a middle schooler. Yeah. And, like, younger than that, I think some of the words might be harder to grasp. Mm -hmm. But middle school is definitely the age that I would, like, start giving people this book. And I would honestly say, like, parents. Parents, definitely. This would be a wonderful book for parents. Yeah. And, like, to read to your kids or to share with your kids. I I, I talk about books a lot in my free time. I know. Y'all are shocked. And I love being able to talk to parents about, like, because I've talked to parents a couple times, but a couple books and they've been like, oh, my kid read this. And like, we sort of talked about your opinion. And I'm like, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. But like, it's, um, yeah, I really love the idea of parents talking to their kids about the books they read. Not in a way where it's like, you can't read this or like, you need to agree with my opinion on this, but more just being like, what did you get out of this book? Like, what did you learn? And I think this would really be a great discussion book for you and your child if you're someone who has a child or well, if you're like, you know, someone who has a child who likes talking to their child about books. And alternately really for like teachers mm-hmm. and, and anyone who's in charge of kids. Well, I would definitely suggest this book, especially like if you're working with queer kids mm-hmm. or kids who like are, are exploring their gender identity mm-hmm. or want to explore their gender. Yeah. This book is like wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, that's my rec for the day. That is the rec. Fantastic. Uh, is there any other really exciting news that we have forgotten that we should mention now? I don't believe so. I don't think so either. That's a great book. I read it in like a solid like 30 minutes, maybe less. It's really short. It's really, really short. Sweet. Really sweet. Gonna take a lot of pictures of the pages because they have like really cute quotes in it. It's like a little snail saying it and I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. It's Thank so you. good. It's so good. And we're gonna lend it out to probably a thousand people. A thousand people. A thousand, a thousand and one. A thousand and one people. Exactly. <laughs> Because it's just a really good, helpful learning book. Go ahead. Thank you so much for listening, every single one of you. Yeah. Shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us and giving us the opportunity to to do all of this work mm-hmm. and to create all of these cool things. Yeah. And thank and you for supporting us through that. Exactly. And thank you for like making... Thank you for the people who've been here for a long time or have just started being here. It's really, really great to have such a, a fantastic audience who mm-hmm. just is like, Yes. Let's do that. I guess you can say thank you for making queer history. <gasps> that sounded like it was like a pun or something. But yeah, thank you for being a part of making queer history. And yeah, I'm just really excited about some of the work that we have coming up and some of the work we just finished. I'm really proud of like some of the articles that I just wrote, like Leslie Chung. I loved writing that art. Well, it's a darker article, so it's a little hard sometimes. And uh, Zolhas, I don't know how to pronounce that name. But my last three articles, I'm really, really proud of. And I'm just so happy to have the opportunity to write this because of y'all. And I'm so happy for those who become patrons or have been patrons for a long time for just making this all possible because y'all are great. And I'm really excited to share all these really big changes. There will be good things coming. So many good things. And just keep an eye out, even if you're not a patron, because we will be sharing some of those changes on social medias pretty soon. Again, we're on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. Facebook was the one I forgot earlier. We're on Facebook. We're on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. Definitely make a point to follow our Instagram by the end of the year, because there can be some things coming out. Keep an eye out for it. And keep an ear out for our podcasts. Exactly. And that comes out on the 13th of every month. Last month, I put it up two days late because my family, I went to visit them. It's always an interesting time to visit family as a queer person. And yeah, it ended up being posted two days late. So really sorry about that. I'm going to try to be on time every other day of every other month. But if you're not a Patreon, 13th of every month is when the podcast is posted. So keep an eye out for that. And if you want to read our articles, whether it's our backlog or any of our new articles that come out three times a month, that is www.makingqueerhistory.com. And there you'll also find everything else. That's our hub. Everything is there. Everything that we have is there. Take some time, browse through it. Mm -hmm. Hit the buttons. Hit all of them. All of them. Right now. At the same time, please. I want to see what happens. Please don't crash our site. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that much about building websites. Also, it was really sweet. One of the changes is like sort of a bit about designing our website. And he's like, can we make these changes? And I'm like, yeah, we haven't changed much about our website since I created it. And I knew nothing about creating websites at that time. And so like, it's fine to make some changes. <laughs> it's time to make some changes. Shout out to Dean. For just being for a being star. For cool. Uh-huh. And a hero. Mm-hmm. And a reminder to all the people who bind, drink a glass of water. Reminder to all the people who don't bind, drink a glass of water. Don't overhydrate, but like 
Drink a glass of water. Drink a glass of water. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, history is queer than you think. We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you Every step we're taking